Hi everyone, Tyler here once again. If you listened to our last episode, you would know that this week we are uploading two separate episodes which were recorded from a while back but had not been posted in a while. The previous one had already actually been posted a month before on the Windy City Hockey YouTube channel in a video format because it was live streamed. This one, however, there was no live stream and there also was no video either. The only way that you can find this one is through the audio platforms we should be able to be back soon with another podcast probably sometime next week which will also be discussing some of the other things that have happened over hockey across the last couple of weeks or so including rockford as well as the ncla championships which will be coming up soon as well as wyatt kaiser's nhl debut but for this one this episode is our trade deadline recap now, this episode was recorded back on March 5th, so a couple things have happened since then that are different, and there's some differences, because, you know, it's a couple of weeks ago. But it's an interesting time capsule, just as the last one was, to look at and see how we thought of things at the time, and how we viewed different moments when those things were brought up. So, thank you so much for listening, and let's roll that music, and cue the show. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Podcast. This is a fan-run podcast by the Chicago Blackhawks. I know it's been a while, but this is our post-trade deadline recap show, and a lot of things have happened to the Blackhawks in the last couple of weeks. My name is Tyler, and I am joined finally once again by all three of my co-hosts, Wally. I'm finally back, and also Bedard will be ours. I like the optimism. Nick. We are a hockey team. That is a true statement. And John. It is like Kyle Davidson was a bomber from the military and he dropped a bomb on this team. Yeah, yeah, no, the entire team is just completely uh, dismantled. But that was the plan all along. And I think that we need to start with the obvious situation that occurred. Um, over the last week, the Blackhawks had their trade deadline, and they made arguably the biggest trade in franchise history in terms of trading away a player of historical significance. And that was trading Patrick Kane to the New York Rangers. And in return, we'll get to the actual trade details in a little bit, but in its turn, it was essentially a conditional second that could become a first as well as a fourth-round pick. Underwhelming, but there are circumstances and reasons for that that we will discuss later. Where I want to start now is we all, before we came out of this podcast, ranked our top five Patrick Kane moments. And, well, I'm going to start with John to go through his number five. So, John, what do you have for number five? And we're going to have everyone go around for number five and then four, three, two, and one. So, John, what's your number five? So, number five I have is the OT winner against LA in 2013. That's number five? Yeah. Dang, that's low. It might, like, I I feel like all these moments I have here are ranked, could be uh, interchangeable, but that's the number five I have. 
All right. Uh, Nick, what do you have for number five? Patrick Kane's historic 26-game point streak in his MVP season. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about the uh, the point streak. But, yeah, that was significant. How do you because, forget about that? Well, I had a lot of other things that I had put down. But, yeah, no, I believe he still has the record for the lo- longest point streak by an American-born player, I believe. He does. Yeah. There's no way. I was... Think anyone's breaking that for a little bit? Yeah, that was um, that was definitely a, a fantastic thing, and you know he had that MVP season, which was you know ridiculous. Uh, Wally, what do you have for number five? At number five, I had his uh, series winner against the Wild in 2014. Mm, okay. Oh, yeah, second round against the Wild. Yeah. All right, for me, my number five, a little bit more of a flash moment, but I have his ridiculous shootout goal against the Wild where he made like 15 different dangles and that thing was on SportsCenter for weeks. Oh, yeah, okay. We had 15 different dangles and basically and basically, at the very end, he, he completely destroys. I believe the goalie was, the, was, was Nicholas Backstrom. The goalie Indeed was Nicholas Indeed it Backstrom. was. And, that was Nicholas and, Backstrom. And he, and, he, and he had like 15 different dangles, and then he pulls one final move at the very end. Backstrom goes flying one way, the net's completely open, and he just pops it in. And it was one of my favorite goals that I've ever seen, especially in terms of the shootout. And there's a reason why he's still one of the most accomplished shootout goalie, goal scorers ever. All right, yeah. moving on to number four. Uh, John, let's start with you again. John, you're number four. I have the 26-game point streak. All right, 26-game point streak. Nick, number four. This one was a little bit difficult, but my number four has to be the um, legendary Spinorama backhand pass to Marian Hossa on very, very a good. goal that beat that was also uh, Jonas very good choices. Yes, that was also you. my number four as well. I, I think I didn't realize at the time how fantastic that was when I watched it live. And then it as I keep on going back and seeing all these highlight packs of Patrick Kane, I realized that moment was in there every single time. It's like, wow, that really was spectacular. It was but iconic. I, 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 just, I, just, I just thought of it as normal at the time because I didn't quite understand how amazing Patrick Kane truly was. It was iconic. Uh, Kane with the spinorama, and it, he feeds it to a Hall of Famer, Marian Hosa. That's uh, why I have it this low in my top five, but it's still in my top five. Mm-hmm. And then Wally. Um, I had at number four his MVP season slash 26-game point streak uh, at number All four. Right. Sounds good. And then I also said that that was my number four was the Spinorama Sistahosa. Moving on to number three, John. Um, I have at number three his 400th career goal. I think that was against the Red Wings in the bubble. Yeah, That's unfortunate it was in the bubble because there was no fans Not the there. bubble, but the, the, the fan... Not the bubble, but it was the fansless season. That was the bubble in the United Center. 
Yeah, I believe that they were wearing reverse retros that night. Yes, they, they were. were wearing the reverse retro 1.0s that night, and I call that the Kane 400 gold jersey because the Hawks did only wore one one game in that jersey, and it happened to be Patrick Kane's 400th goal. Yeah, that was that. Um, and then Nick, your number three. My number three is actually an interesting one. This one ends up being his only shorthanded goal of his career being in the 2010 game five versus the Nashville Predators with a minute 50 remaining on the clock. Hawks pulled Antiniami and they put uh, Patrick Kane out for the shorthanded unit because Marion Hosa was serving a five minute major. Yep. And Kane comes out for shorthanded. He gets right onto the goal crease and beats uh, Pekka Rene, and the Hawks tie the game up to force overtime. And we know his what happened after that. Mm-hmm. That is a um, iconic goal. That game was crazy. That's a great. That goal. was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Wally, your number three. Uh, my number three was his hat trick against Vancouver uh, in Game Six in two thousand nine. Ah, yes, three. that's iconic. Yeah, and then for me, my number three was his one thousandth point. That's number three. Okay. Yeah, one one thousandth point. Um, it was just I know that it was after after the era, but you know that's such an important milestone. You know, making it to a thousand points is kind of like the signaling of of where you become a legendary player. And when you reach a thousand points before you reach a thousand games, even more so. So he had, I thought it was also a really nice goal as well. It was a nice feed from behind the net. It ended up being a secondary assist. He passed to Ryan Carpenter, who passed a cross crease over to Brandon Saad, who got the goal in the wide, wide open net. I know it wasn't like the craziest moment, but you know, th- your 1000th point is always going to be an iconic moment. I mean, the entire Blackhawks roster jumped the uh, boards and celebrated yeah. Kane out after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was that. That was, that was insane. I mean, it's um, not that impressive. Then... I do it in my NHL be a pro all the time. <laughs> <laughs> You can get a thousand points in like five seasons. All right, and then on to John, number two. For number two, I have his one thousandth career point. And so you're just bigging on me for saying only for number three. <laughs> no, he, he was saying it was he's, he he said it was too uh well too low. Too, well, would it be too low? Yeah, too low. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess low. it was too low. I thought you. I thought you were going to say that it was. It shouldn't even be on the list. No. Why would I, Tyler? I thought you thought of me as, as more of a smart human being. I guess not. Well, I mean, okay. You had you had that game winning goal at number five, so you know. I mean, I, I said that all these could be interchangeable. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick. Number two. It has to be the heartbreaker. It was. Uh, Game 5 versus LA 2013 Western Conference Final. Patrick game-winning goal by Patrick Kane with the heartbreaker to send the LA Kings 
Holm and the Hawks to the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. And then Wally. That is also uh, my number two as well. Yeah, and that's the same for me. And I want to touch on one other thing when it comes to the Heartbreaker celebration. I think that that is, there's so much more impact in terms of the next era of hockey players than I think we truly realize. I mean, I remember when, before Cole Caulfield, back when he was playing at Wisconsin, when they won a big game in the Big Ten tournament, and he scored the OT winner, and then he did the Heartbreaker. Because it's such a big thing, remember in, that. you know, just U.S. hockey lore. And then at the World Juniors this year, Connor Bedard did a heartbreaker. Future Blackhawk Connor Bedard. Future Blackhawk Connor <laughs> Bedard. It's it's just it's such a big thing now, and you know, there's there's the goal, the fact that it was a hat trick, the fact that it was an overtime winner, the insanity of Taze to Kane with a one-timer from, like, the freaking blue line. It was at the circle. Yeah, it was, it was a really far, really far shot that had to happen, though. And, like, I, I how far out of his net was quick as well? Quick wasn't so quick for that one. No, not at all. And then there was him going down on his knees, the heartbreaker, Andrew Shaw being right behind him, looking like Jack and Rose in Titanic. <laughs> yep. It was like about it. that was the best thing that you could have when you think of Patrick Kane. If number one didn't exist, and I think that every single human in the entire fandom has the same number one. Did I say my honorable mention, though? Go ahead. It's a meme. It was just ahead of Patrick Kane's 1,000th game going into that night. The day before, the Blackhawks uh, posted a little video where Patrick Kane does some ASMR counting from 1 to 1,000 and had Uh, some meme-worthy moments. His lullaby to PK3 and his every time getting to 88 in any format of the number system, he made it known. Oh yeah, it was it was a fantastic is it was very well done. It was a fantastic video. I remember watching it and just just losing my mind, just cracking up at the fact that this video even exists. An hour long video of just a picture of Patrick Kane that says one Kane and it's him talking in a soft voice, counting from one to one thousand. It's legendary. It's fantastic. And then, I think that we all know, and I'll let Nick do the honors. Nick, what do you have for number one, and then what does everyone else have for number one? It has to be Game 6 versus Philadelphia in overtime. Campbell to Kane. Kane holds the puck, shoots it, goes down the ice onto the goal line, shoots it through the wickets of... Lettinen and Hawks win the Stanley Cup, where no one else but him and Patrick Sharp knew the puck went in the net. Patrick Sharp knew right away. Patrick, I always go back and watch that video because everyone talks about how nobody knew except for Kane. I looked and I saw Patrick Sharp knew right away. And I I also like in that moment the amount of players on the ice who would eventually wear Hawks jerseys, including the guy that Patrick Kane skated by, future Blackhawks Stanley Cup champion Kimo Timonen, and the goalie, Michael Layton, 
Ice Hogs legend Michael Layton. If you didn't say Ice Hogs legend, I was about to grill you. But yeah, I mean, that goal, that goal created so many fans. And yeah. it, most of us before that moment didn't even really know, especially at our ages. I mean, we were like anywhere between seven and ten. I was, I was, I was eleven years old. I was yeah. I was uh, eight. I was probably eight. I was eight. And that moment, that goal, I I'll never forget the craziness of that entire night. I'll also never forget the fact, and I'll have to have to say this because he also listens to the podcast. I'll never forget the fact that my dad knew right away that the puck was in, and he never lets me forget that. <laughs> that night was an insane night. I remember watching it with my uh, one of my friends in his basement. My dad had to work that night, unfortunately. Oh, that's and terrible. So my friend so who was bad. a Hawks fan in my neighborhood, and we just watched the entire Stanley Cup final together. And uh, we had a, it was insane. It was an awesome moment. Uh, was yeah. it only me, or did did any of you all had a have a uh, inflatable Stanley Cup uh, like balloon or? That no, is something I never I had. Actually, I believe I still own a replica Stanley Cup, which is like it's like um I don't know how to describe how big it is. It's probably like two feet tall, but I think it's also simultaneously technically a piggy bank, even though I don't use it as such. Are you sure it's not the popcorn machine Stanley? I Cup? have that because no, it's, I have that. It's not, it's not that. It's not. I have that, that popcorn machine. It that popcorn machine made some terrible popcorn. I have to admit that it burnt popcorn like any way. I've never seen a popcorn machine burn popcorn the, the way that did. I never had that, but that sounds um, sounds awful, actually. Yeah, it was really <laughs> bad. But the best type of Stanley Cup is the true one that the Hawks ended up winning three times with the Patrick oh, Kane era. It would be so nice if we could mm-hmm. win another one. Yep. Patrick Kane. Uh, it definitely sucks to see him go. Uh, former MVP, former Art Ross winner. He also uh, won a Con Smythe, won three Stanley Cups, scored a thousand points before he played a thousand games. What he else? Won he a Calder Trophy. He won a Calder Trophy. He won a Calder Trophy when, in the same season that his teammate Jonathan Taze came second in the Calder Trophy race. Yep. That. It, it it really does suck to know that the Kane era is over, and we'll, we all know this. His number is going to be hanging in the rafters. He's going to be welcomed back to the United Center anytime he comes back with a different team. And I think it's also pretty self-explanatory. He will retire a Blackhawk, whether that's playing one more season with us or a one-day contract oh, yeah. situation. Yeah, whether, yeah, no matter what it is, he's a Blackhawk for life, even though he's gone. And we'll get into the details of the deal in just a little bit. But now, we just want to say, everyone here, thank you for everything that you've done for us, Patrick Kane. Thank you for everything you've done for this franchise. It sucks that it had to end like this. It sucks that we had to move on in this way. But 
it's just kind of the natural course of, you know, American sports. It's kind of that natural course. You can't be great forever. You have to rebuild. You have to move on. You have to start. You have to recoup assets, get some draft capital, return and rebuild and reload for the next era. And that's the whole plan with what Kyle Davidson is building right now. And we will see the fruits of that labor coming in the not-so-distant future, whether it's small steps or bigger steps, which probably will come later in terms of big wins, getting back into the playoffs eventually. And whenever that comes, whenever we start competing for cups again, it won't come for a bit. But when it does, we will know that it was that unfortunately it was time to move on with Patrick Kane now, but we did need to do that so that we could actually start this rebuild so we could have that next era. Okay. Here's a good question for you guys. Yes. Do you feel like you took the Stanley cup era Blackhawks with Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, the entire core for granted, because that's basically the era we all can agree is our true era. Blackhawks hockey of greatness. Oh, definitely. Before that, the Blackhawks were voted upon as the worst-ran franchise in professional sports in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we, we grew up with could it. We you, didn't know what do else Do you to... think, knowing with this rebuild going on, we are going to come out of this rebuild knowing if we can go on to win more Stanley Cups it won't be taken for granted like it did for some people in the 2010s. I think so. I think what I'd say is that, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people who right now are entering adulthood who started watching the team right as they got good. Mm -hmm. And those people are now for the first time, experiencing a bad Blackhawks team. Something that if you are older than 25 is completely normal to you. Yes. So what I would say in that situation is that I hear a lot of people saying stuff like, this franchise is an embarrassment. What the heck are we doing? Do you not know what we were before 2006? Do you think that people aren't going to come back once the team is good again? You think that Patrick Kane and Taze leaving is going to be that big of a deal? I feel like people in the grand scheme of things, you know. I mean, today the second game after post Patrick Kane in the United Center, the Blackhawks actually had a decent number of people show up to the United Center. Eighteen thousand nine hundred forty-two people showed up to the United Center for a roster basically thrown together. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget. The seasons right before they started winning cups, this is a team that fired Savard. They fired Savoir Faire as head coach. And then people were just supposed to be okay with that. Well, they fired him because they knew the head coach they had was already in their uh, organization, yeah. Joel Quenville. But. Um, they also lost three games in a row to start the season, which was surprising to fire uh, Savvy that early, but they did it 
to um bring in Coach Q, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like, you know, legends leave. That happens. Uh, I just want to speak on a little personal thing about what uh, Nick said about did you take it for granted? And I think I did. I wish I watched uh more games. I don't think I I think I could have watched more games back when I was a kid, and I wish I did. But um I still have lots of memories of Patrick Kane. But if I could go back in a time machine and we relive those moments, I think I 100% would. Think about this. The Kane and Taze era was really the first era Blackhawk fans could actually watch games on TV. Regularly. Because Bill Wart uh Dollar bill would not allow games on TV. Mm-hmm. Great marketing strategy there. <laughs> gotta say. Yep. The Blackhawks lost a whole generation of fans before the Kane and Taze era even started. When the Kane and Taze era happened, the Hawks are on TV and they're actually ready to start competing. Um when I uh, I remember a moment in the 2010 uh, championship video or like DVD thing, and Pat Foley said, "You could have shot a cannon into the arena and you wouldn't hit anyone." Like yeah. that's insane. Knowing what we know now, people could actually talk across the arena and hear their conversation. That's what some quotes were. Yeah, it's not really fathomable to me. Um, did, didn't they draw like less? I feel like they drew less than like 10,000 people per game. Um, it was just, in the about 7,000. It's hard to believe that Pat Foley was willing to work for that team for so many years. I mean, we go back and we hear his rant about like Alexander Karpatsa. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bring it up of that i did want to bring that up because it's one of um it's one of nick's favorite clips hey it's it's iconic from pat foley you know pat foley has some rants in his career just like his um it's turning 12 yeah that's a good one that's uh, a yes, good one a.m rant ah oh, that's and then so good him off because he was gonna yeah like i mean pat foley i mean i think everyone loves pat um, he didn't rant a lot, so like Everyone. you knew it was bad when he was getting mad. Uh, and think about it: the Blackhawks fired Pat Foley, and before Kane and Taze even were here, in the rookie year of Kane and Taze, guess who was not the play-by-play voice of your Chicago Blackhawks? It wasn't Foley. It was not Pat Foley. I don't even remember the guy who was doing the play-by-play at that time. Pat Foley was still broadcasting for the Chicago Wolves. Ew, we don't like the Yeah, Wolves. we don't like the that Wolves. Is, bro. That yeah. is like... That feels like an out-of-body experience to even hear those words. It, Bill Wart. Ruined the organization All for right, Nick, years. Nick, it, Nick, I have your broadcaster for the 26, 20, or 2006 2007 Chicago Blackhawks. Let's hear uh, it. Dan P. Kelly. 
Who? Who the heck are you? <laughs> Who? Oh, you're cool. Who is the, that? He was the, it's he no Weenie uh, with uh, Pat and uh, Dale. He was the play, by, play guy for two years. The, uh, your color commentators were Eddie Olchek and Steve Conroy, who I still miss Steve. And obviously everyone... I miss that. Steve so. Conroy, Steve Con- if, I mean, if, I mean if, you, if you watch Notre Dame hockey, then Steve Conroy's always there. Um, But uh, everyone obviously misses uh, Eddie Olchek. Um, your studio host, I don't know... Chuck Garfine used to be the studio host. Chuck Garfine used yeah. to do it. He's a White Sox guy now. I know. Uh, I I've seen a video where he did something going around the United Center in two thousand nine. Where Benley, Bailey, uh, Josh Mora was another studio anal- or a studio host at that time, and then. Oh, Pat Boyle wasn't even no, on uh, it. And then probably, probably wasn't. Probably wasn't. Really and then Steve Conroy and Troy Murray were your two studio analysts. Man, a lot changed. Yeah, a Pat lot. Pat Boyle didn't changed. join until two thousand and he joined in two thousand four. It says. Mm. Oh, he must have been because his, his LinkedIn has him there since 2004. It feels like he was there before 2014. Yeah, I feel I'm like just, he's I'm been just telling on what the Wikipedia, Wikipedia tells me. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, all right. I think that um, that whole conversation <laughs> we've, we've kind of expensed everything. I think we've kind of expensed everything we need to say on the topic. Yeah. Let's get into these trade reviews for the Chicago Blackhawks and some of the moves that were made. And since we've already talked about Kane, we're going to start in chronological order. The first move of the deadline, which is the Chicago Blackhawks acquiring defenseman Nikita Zaitsev from the Ottawa Senators, as well as a 2023 second round pick and a 2026 fourth in exchange for everyone's favorite player. Everyone's favorite player, say it with me. Future considerations. Um Alright. I give it an A plus. Anytime you can anytime a rebuilding team can take on a contract to not only fill the team with bodies, but um also help you get to the cap floor because Nikita Zaitsev has quite the contract and get picks, it's an A plus. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else does anyone disagree with A plus? I uh, agree. Um, my one thing is it took Zaitsev a while to cross <laughs> the border. He was yeah. stuck in Canada for a while. He made his, yeah, he his first debut game. He his first game eleven team. days after being traded. Yeah, it was kind of crazy how that happened. Um, I have it uh, as a B plus. It was still a good move in my opinion. Um. I just, I mean, it's a fine trade. It's it's a good, good trade, good trade. But it's not gonna change that much in the grand scheme of things. So, have it as a B I would plus. say, I, I would say A, because I don't necessarily think that you could look at the value that you got and say like, ooh, we should have gotten more for Nikita Zaitsev. I mean, there's only one year after this year on his contract, and yeah, four and a half million dollars is a lot of money. But at the same time, it's likely that that second round pick could be outside 
uh, could be inside the top 16 in the second round. So you're looking at a top 50 football. Or the Hawks even throw it in a package. Or they could put it in a package. You know, regardless, it would be a top 50 pick that you could put in a package. As well as a second round, as well as a fourth round pick. You know, it'll be a while from now, but it'll still be a fourth round pick. Yeah. I'm just wondering, didn't uh, when Marlowe was traded, didn't he go with a first? I'm just saying. That's like the he only did, reason but why I have he this. Did. He did, but that was also like, wasn't his money was seven? Didn't million he have dollars. more years on his contract? Six and a half, I think. He had a couple of years left on his contract. No, it yeah. was it was a one it was year one? deal. Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was a yeah. one year deal, but it was also a seven million dollar cap hit. And also, uh, the Hurricanes went ahead and bought it out immediately. There's one other element there. The um the other element is the um. The Leafs were way more desperate than the Senators were. Yeah. Because the Leafs needed to give Mitch Marner a new contract. The only thing that you look at what happened with the um, the Senators is they had the opportunity to trade for Jacob Chikrin, but they weren't desperate to get Chikrin. Yeah, like again, I'm not saying like the Senators trade. came out of nowhere for Chikrin. Yeah, they did. Yeah. The, the lack of desperation, as well as there being less money, I don't know if I'd put those two on the same scale, but I do think it was a really smart deal and a good, a decent package in order to take on a contract in Nikita Zaitsev. I mean, all it took was give up the best player in the trade, uh, future considerations, who got moved quite a bit by uh, Kyle Davidson this week, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, is anyone ever going to put future considerations and duct him into the Hall of Fame? <laughs> I mean, how many times did future considerations get traded um, this week? I can count that actually. 15, so one. Probably. Oh, are you saying by us or like total? It's in general. It felt like it was probably about like fifteen times. But honestly. by us, it's one, uh, two, three times, and then three. Yeah, no, four, four. Three. He's the um, fourth. We gave up, uh, or we got Rocco Gamaldi and Logan, I don't know, uh, Nyoff for future considerations. Oh, that doesn't count. That was that was part of that was part of the uh, security. Was deal. it okay? Well, HL webs HL yeah. website had I mean, his two I mean, different on, deals. On, unofficially, it was part of the okay. security deal. You can't trade hours apart. Uh, you, you can't trade NHL and AHL contracts in the same deal. Oh, okay, well. HL, or from an article I read on the AHL website, it looked like it was two different deals, but that's fine. Yeah. All right, but the next deal does involve the Ducks. Um, Josiah Slavin getting traded straight up for Hunter Drew. Um, this one is kind of the situation of, like, I'm not surprised. It was, it's been a disappointing season for Josiah Slavin this year, and I think that we've talked about this before with John. You've mentioned how you thought that Josiah Slavin's been had a bit of a disappointing I mean, it's not, even, it's, it's not even like disappointing like just that. It's very disappointing year for Josiah. I am not... Hmm, like, I'm going to bring up his point from last year. Because I, like, I didn't expect Josiah Slavin to go off last year, but he did. So, Josiah Slavin yeah. last year, in 49 games, had 32 points. 
and I think he was mostly a third liner. Third third liner, maybe second liner some games. But then this year he went all mm. the way down to eleven points in fifty one games. That's very disappointing. Yeah. And last year he was a plus eighteen. This year, despite the fact the team got better, he regressed from a plus eighteen to a minus thirteen. It just sucks that the team was better. The team was better around him. So like his overall contributions and his offensive contributions were it just sucks poor. that he couldn't put it all together two years in a row. Because he's actually mm-hmm. like a yeah. amazing guy. Yeah. And then Hunter Drew is a guy who I personally think will contribute in, t- in the AHL playoffs. He's a big guy, previously played defense, now plays forward, big hitter, big fighter. Um, he had an offensive touch when he played defense last year, so maybe there's some of that as a forward as well. I think this deal, honestly, I think I'd give it like a B. I mean, you know, there's always a chance that Josiah Slavin turns it around in Anaheim, which like good for him. But if Hunter Drew is a competent piece, competent depth player as the Ice Hogs try and compete for a Calder Cup this year, then that's all you can yeah. ask for. Um, I'm gonna give it. it I'm, I'm gonna give it a C. It's kind of a nothing yeah. trade. I so. gave it. A, yeah. That's where I'm at. It's a C. It's a really no one care type of trade. It's like it. It happened, but it's not a big deal. Really, it doesn't really change the roster too much. Oh yeah, no, I don't think it changes the NHL outlook at all. I gave it a D because I'm that disappointed in Josiah Slavin because I wanted him to do really good this year. So it's a D for disappointment. Yeah, D for disappointment. Who's disappointed? Like, and this was like slight at Josiah Slavin. Like, I'm not mad at him. I just wanted him to do well because he did so well last year. And I was so happy for him to do well last year because I didn't expect it. Yeah. Next deal, um, this one already looks to be having pretty positive returns for the Blackhawks. Chicago Blackhawks trade Jack Johnson, Stanley Cup champion Jack Johnson. I always need to preface that. Sorry. Sorry, I will respect the man. I, I, will, I will respect Tank Commander, uh, statistically the worst player in the NHL this year, but Stanley Cup champion Jack Johnson in exchange for defenseman Andreas Englund, and this is one of those kind of weird deals where I think that we both got the better asset and better player right now. Yeah, it's a win. It's honestly a win-win for both players. I agree. Uh, England's getting the opportunity to play. Jack Johnson's getting an opportunity to go for another cup. And honestly. The Hawks get the better player in the trade. He's been performing well. Hasn't gotten a point yet, but he's pl- performed well in a Blackhawk jersey. I'm saying this is an A. Um, for the reason that Nick just outlined, I gave it an A plus because we did right by the player. To add along oh. to what Nick's just said, uh, I gave it a C plus. It really doesn't affect anything in the long run. They did good by Jack Johnson, and England's look. Solid. He's been solid as a third pairing guy, um, but he's not in the long term plan. So I give it a C plus. 
He I could mean, be on the roster next year. I mean, year, I, I think that I, I I understand what you're saying, Wally, but I do think you need to I think that grading the trades within the context of what we could get for a player to get anything, I mean literally anything for Jack Johnson is a victory. Sure, but I think an A plus is a little much. I mean, okay, Maybe here's a, here's how low. I thought Maybe about somewhere it. in the middle. Here's oh, what I how I thought about it. What Nick what Nick said along with the fact that we did right by the player. I'm I'm grading the trades in a vacuum. I'm not like in the grand scheme of things does this change anything? Not really. But I'm I'm grading the trades in a vacuum by themselves. And I, I took all the everyone has tr- their own way of grading trades. So. Yeah, and I would I would say an A for that as well because even though in the grand scheme of things is England going to matter much? No. But I do think that we did get a better player right now and for the future than Jack Johnson is. And we let him go compete for another cup with a group of guys he already knows. Yep. All right. Next one is the first pretty big deal that the Blackhawks made. This is the first move where the Black significant player on their roster removed. It's actually two. The deal is Jake McCabe, 50% retained, as well as Sam Lafferty, and two fifth-round picks going to Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Joey Anderson, Pavel Golgolev, 2025 first, and a 2026 second. The 2025 first is top 10 protected. So, in the essence, it's Jake McCabe for a first and Sam Lafferty for a second. Is that kind of the best case scenario? That's yes. what it is. I would just say this. The first round pick, if I was Davidson, I would have tried and got an earlier first round pick from Toronto just because the Blackhawks are in a long rebuild how he's setting up for with these draft picks. I will counter with this point, Nick. Um, the first that we're go- that we would have gotten if it was, let's say, this year, would have been in the low twenties, maybe in the in the early twenties. But I think this is really smart because in twenty twenty five they might lose players. They might Isn't have the to top ten protected though. It is top it is ten, top 10. It is top protected, 10 protected, protected, but there's nothing saying that like they fall off but not completely fall off. I mean, look exactly. at when Vegas. Very look at the well. look at the first round pick Vegas gave to Buffalo for Eichel. Vegas didn't make the playoffs, but that pick was pick sixteen, even though it was a top ten protection on that pick. So there's a chance that, especially with how good the Atlantic Division is getting and already is, there's a chance Toronto's outside the playoffs in two years. I also like the fact that we're spreading out these picks so that we can sustain bringing in good. Good young players for multiple years. We're not just like condensing them into one draft. Yeah. And the other thing is it saves money. So. I want to say one thing on this. Uh, on one one thing on this as well. The Atlantic Division is so stacked, and it's getting even more stacked. That I think that trying to get first round picks from Atlantic contenders right now in future years, which we already have for Tampa next year, and we then have for Toronto the year after, is a good gamble 
that there's a possibility that that pick is lower than you would initially expect. I agree. So I give this straight a B plus. Um, would have been nice if we got a Tanner Janot type return for Sam Lafferty, but that's unrealistic to say the least. That's unrealistic. This trade did happen after the Tanner Janot nonsense, but I also think that was more just Julian Breezebois being unreasonable and crazy versus that being how the market is set. So that's why I gave it a B plus. It would have been another reason why is it would have been nice to have a prospect that was like like at least NHL capable, but we didn't get that either. But again, Enjoy we got picks. Point. Pavel Gogolev scored for the Ice Hogs tonight. Maybe I should have prefaced the prospect would be like good and be like a yeah. major contributor, <laughs> a major contributor I mean, to yeah. the Blackhawks. You're not going to get that if you already got a first and a second. I mean, mm. it would have been nice. That's why I'm saying that. Well, yeah, of, of course. Yeah, yeah. The fact the Hawks are retaining two million for three years on McCabe, in McCabe, they probably should have gotten more. Next, got a I don't point. Know how much, I, don't, I don't know how much that impacts the um, the value. I'll also say this: when it comes to the whole thing with Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, I think that Sam Lafferty was frauding his way into second round pick value. You just I say think there's no, there's, there's no logical, there's no <laughs> logical explanation to say that that man is actually worth a second round pick. But we have convinced the world that he is, and I love it. It's like Yanmark for a second and a third. I just love when we can convince teams that our players are better than they are. I mean, to be fair, Sam Lafferty was good this year. Yeah, but he wasn't. So if you take that pick. into account. And you acknowledge well, that extra value there, and you just tack on a small amount to the first-round pick you're getting for Jake McCabe, then I think that you're getting a really good situation. Especially when you take into account Alex Nylander and a free agent signing in exchange for a first and a second. Yeah, that's true. I wasn't saying he was first-round pick or second-round pick good. I'm just saying he, w- he was good. Mm-hmm. And then we still got one for him, which I think in the end is a pretty successful move. I'm giving this thing an A-. I also gave it an A minus. Um, it would have been higher. Um, um, I think one of the fifths is actually can turn into a third. I don't know what the exact condition is. So um, I have the condition on the fifth. Oh. Here's okay. the condition on the fifth, according to Cap Friendly. The fifth can uh, the fifth round pick transferred to Toronto will be the lowest of the 2024 fifth round picks that Chicago owns at the time of the draft. So basically, however many fifths that Chicago owns at the time of the draft is the the lowest one will go to Toronto. And that's a really weird condition. It's a twenty twenty four conditional fifth, by the way. Yeah. So it's next. Uh, yeah, next year's. Yeah, that's a really weird condition because essentially what that means is that the Blackhawks can just trade for a really late fourth. And then just screw over the Leafs, which I think is funny, but also is weird. I don't know where you got the the, the fifth can turn into yeah, I, a third wall. No, never mind. I I thought I saw someone like one of the insiders included that, but it doesn't look like that actually is 
any of that. So never actually, mind. About there's an that. upgrade to a third involved in the in the next trade, actually. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, that's probably what that mm-hmm. was. Um, but yeah, yeah we'll get an A minus. Arizona's part of the Kane deal, which we'll get to right now. The next deal. Wait, did Nick give his grade? Oh, Nick. Uh, B plus. B plus for McCabe. Yeah, yep. I feel like that's I feel like that's all. We all we all pretty much like the deal, but it's not over the moon amazing. Yep. I was I I was screaming when the deal happened because I was really happy when I got when I saw the return. I do think it's a f- fantastic for us. Oh yeah, I was in my car when that happened. I was driving and I saw it yeah. on the phone. Uh huh. And unlike the Timo Meyer deal, the 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 uh, return actually came in right away. Yeah, that was thanks Timo. Chicago for being good at this. The Timo Meyer situation I mean, was kind of one was taken forever. Yeah, but that's because we played Dallas that night. That's the only reason. And also, it was like overnight, so we got to sleep, sleep it off, and then see the return. the The Timo Meyer thing was like in the middle of the day. The Domi trade happened immediately after the game. Yeah. Um, but now we move into the big one, obviously, and these grades are going to be a little bit weird. Uh, so the, the New York Rangers acquire Patrick Kane as well as Cooper Zeck. The Chicago Blackhawks acquire a conditional second-round pick that could become a first, as well as a fourth-round pick, as well as defenseman Andy Walensky and the rights to Vili Saryarvi. And the Arizona Coyotes acquire a third-round pick from the Rangers in exchange for retaining 25% of Kane's cap hit. There's some conditions on the um, Arizona third, but I couldn't care enough to even tell you about them because it doesn't impact us at all. What I will mention is the conditions on the second-round pick, which is that if the... Uh, if the Rangers make the conference finals this year, then that pick, which is a 2023 second, becomes a 2024 first. Please that 2024 do. first would be top 10 protected. Please do it. We are all New York fans in the playoffs yes, this year. Yes, we are all New York Rangers fans, at least until the conference finals. Please make the conference finals. Wally, this is, has to be your uh, worst nightmare I, possible. You no, know, I, hate, I hate the Rangers, but I'm, I will be cheering because... I want a first-round pick, and that will help my mm-hmm. prospect page. I'm going to start with uh, start with John. What do you have for your trade grade for the Patrick Kane deal? All right, so if you follow if you followed the Patrick Kane situation at all, you knew that it was not a normal trade negotiation at all. And so, taking everything into consideration, that we have no that we had no leverage, um that we fulfilled Kane's wishes that he wanted to be traded and everything surrounding this trade, I gave an, a B plus to slash a minus. I'm stuck in between right now between those two letter grades. That's generous. That's generous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick. Okay. Um, the way the trade is, the Hawks had no leverage. They don't. Patrick Kane had all the cards in his hand, and he wanted to go to the Rangers. The fact is, the Hawks 
were able to get a draft pick that can turn into a first-round pick, that's good. But, I'm still ranking this as a C. Mm-hmm. Wally? Um, if, if you're not going to look into any of the context of the trade, I'm, I would give it a D, but considering the context and Patrick Kane only wanted to go to the Rangers and he made, that was known throughout the league, um, I'm giving it a C because the Blackhawks had no leverage and I think they still got a pretty decent return considering the circumstances. Yeah. I think that one of the things is I think that our um, opinions of this are actually a little bit more sensitized and a little bit less negative because we heard so much about how terrible the return was going to be that we were almost kind of pleasantly surprised. And maybe that's why my grade is a little high. The fact there's even a chance to get a first, considering all the rumors that were said. After all the rumors, the fact we even have a chance to get a first was kind of pleasantly surprising. Also, the Blackhawks released a new video for their every uh, shift thing Mm. today. I watched in its entirety... It took it through the cane trade, and it did. Yeah, it was good. It gave more insight to how I think Kane and the Hawks did Patrick all the things right. Mm-hmm. But I still have to give this a C. Yeah, and I kind of feel the same way. Um, what I'll say is that this return is not bad enough. To where I would say they we can't do this trade at all. Like, like if they, if we were only getting a third round pick back or something like that, I'll be honest. I'd say, sorry, Kane, you're not going to New York. They won't give us anything. This is not a good faith negotiation. You can't go. Yeah, but. The fact that it's a second, as well as an extra pick, and that second can become a first, then I think that you're just content with this world, and you know going forward, never give a player a no-move clause in the final year of their contract, no matter how good they are. We just saw it with the David Pasternak contract. It's a modified no-trade clause for the final three years, but it's a no-move for the first five. Nobody's ever going to give a player a no move in the final year of a contract ever again after seeing what happened with Patrick Kane. And that's a lesson learned for what we're going to see going forward. But because of that situation, because of that whole situation, it's a C, C minus. But you know. But can we even blame. Eh. Can we. No, you can't really blame Kyle Davidson. You, you would give my, more blame like, to Stan Bowman in that situation. Like, but it's not. I don't like, think it's not bad. We're grading Kyle Davidson. We're grading the value. I know. I get that. But I don't think you can even blame Stan Bowman for giving Patrick Kane a no move clause. If that was the at right that, decision. At that time, probably not. At that time, I did. At that time, at no. Time, probably not. Think about it. At that time, no one was arguing anything about the Patrick Kane deal. People no. are more so arguing that Jonathan T is getting the same contract, but like I can't. I still like at that time, both of them were viewed upon as at least top three players in the NHL. Like I hate Stan mm-hmm. Bowman. Like that's no everyone should. But I can't. Everyone hates Stan Bowman. But I can't blame him for giving Patrick Kane a no move clause. 
I can for for not understanding that a no move clause in the final year of a contract means you're basically screwing yourself out of a reasonable trade package. I mean, who is that? Maybe is that maybe giving is that maybe too much hindsight? Sure, but we've seen it over recent years with no move clauses. Maybe it was just too far gone before to know that that was a situation that could happen. But I mean, and who would guess that? that I, I, what, what I do know is that it'll never happen again. No one's ever getting a no move clause in the last year of their contract ever again. And who would have guessed that Patrick Kane would only want to go to one team? Like, I mean, it's his right with the. I get move that, clause. but like, if. Usually, when there's a no move clause involved, there's multiple teams involved. I I, don't, I, I guess it depends on the player. I can't in faith. I cannot in I cannot in good conscience blame Stan Bowman for giving him a no move clause. And I hate Stan Bowman. I think we all sure do. enough. <laughs> I can't blame him for giving him a no move clause or full move clause. Yeah. All right, but. Well, after that, we have four more trades to discuss. And the first one is a bit of a small deal. Uh, Blackhawks acquire Anders Bjork from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for future considerations. Those future considerations turned out to be Carson Jasevitz, who is an AHL player for the Ice Hogs, who now goes to the Rochester Americans. That is, a, that um, is Ice Hogs legend to you, Tyler. Ice Hogs legend Carson Jacevitz. Um, I will throw mine out here right now. I think that this is just kind of a. It's just kind of a B. It's 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 fine. I think that it's cool. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's not even really like worthy of a grade. Not a I don't think it's worthy of a grade. It's more just like, hey, we added a player for the sole purpose of just having him in our organization. So that we had the opportunity to send a guy like Lucas Reichel down to make him eligible for the AHL playoffs. We'll get to the other part of that later. Um, okay, so I gave this one a grade and I gave it a B. And the sole factor in that B was that we we did right by Carson. So Carson is from the Buffalo area and he has family over there. Cool. York is also from Wisconsin. He played for the Mission, so I guess you could argue that. Yeah, he is from more. Wisconsin. He is from Wisconsin. Oh, oh, and he's so also cousins does, with our current one of our skills coach, uh, Eric Contra. So that's kind it of it cool does. Too. He's also another Notre Dame guy. It does suck to lose Carson though, because uh, he was a good penalty killer and he made up a good fourth line. Let's be honest, Gutsevich was never going to make it to the NHL. And no. Not every player does, though. Like, I'm. Bjork can be slotted in as a guy to just play in the NHL. He can, and he was. Yep. He played tonight. Yep. Um, I'm going to give it a B as well. Okay. Now, here's the next move. And. I know that this move involves absolutely zero NHL players, but I'm putting it in there right now. This is an A+. <laughs> oh, I know which one you're talking about. This move involves the Anaheim Ducks acquiring Dylan Secura, the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Maxim Gallaud, as well as the Rockford Icehogs acquiring Rocco Grimaldi. All right. So... If you do not know who Rocco Gamaldi is, 
he apparently still plays hockey, and he's doing it really good in the AHL. He has 56 points in 54 games for a very, very bad San Diego Goals team. And now he's an ice hog. And now he's an ice hog. That's some uh, playoff depth for the ice hogs right there. It's not even depth. He'll be playing first slash second line minutes with Lucas Reichel. that's, That's an easy slot into your top six. Sakura was part of the top six before. We traded him, and we replaced him with Rocco Grimaldi. Who is... Easy upgrade. Yeah. Could it be... Could Grimaldi be the reason the Ice Hogs won't be sending Cole Gutman for the playoffs? I don't think that's... Like, how how do I word this? Um, I don't think that's a reasonable excuse, if that's the right word. It's probably not. I think the main... I think the main I, reason was because of their like recalls, so they can only have what four recalls after. I thought it was the... five. Is it five? Four, four. five, four. It's, it's four. Um, if, I think they were worried if they sent him down or whatever, they would only have like what? Is it one, one left. left for the entire I f- season? Uh-huh. I feel like those should rules should change. I feel like that's too little. Yeah, but still have the rule but that. Reading reading the deal itself, the acquisition of Rock Grimaldi to the Rock Rice Hogs A plus. I gave it an yeah. A, just but yeah, it's a great move. So uh, it's fantastic. An it's fantastic. We're cupping. <laughs> I don't know about that, Tyler. That would be nice, though. Calder, we're Calder cupping. I know, I know, I know what you meant. Um, yeah, I still don't know. About I still that. don't know about that. <laughs> This this team. Yeah. All right. Our next move is the Chicago Blackhawks trading Max Domi as well as Dylan Wells to the Dallas Stars in exchange for Anton Hudobin and a twenty twenty five second round pick. All right. So we'll talk about Anton Hudobin because he's the lesser player or one of the lesser players in this deal. He's been pretty bad in the AHL. Eight ninety nine save percentage. 289 goals against. That's not very good. Mm-hmm. And I think the Ice Hogs ran them out of the net one of these games that we played the Texas Stars in. I remember very vividly watching uh, watching um, him get absolutely beat really easily by his simple wrister by DJ Buzzdecker one game. Oh yeah, that happened right in front of my face. That was a really good goal. Um, so he'll probably be the third goalie behind Stauber, who will be the backup to Soderblom. I also feel like he'll be the first call-up, though. Yeah, he would He would 100% be the first call-up. We're not, we should no, in no reasonable way bring up Soderblom or Stauber this, for the rest of the year. Have you considered that he did have to play um, behind Ryan Shea? I did not. You know, Wally, you gotta troll more because when you troll, you you cook up some real good stuff or some real good content. But can Ryan Shea have that much of an effect on one goalie who went to the Stanley Cup Finals, like in what twenty? No, no, no. Hudobin is so cooked. Yeah, he is cooked. That's what I'm saying. Like, Hudobin went to the Stanley Cup Finals in what year? 20... 
Anton Hudobin is more overcooked than Blackhawk Stanley Cup popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're welcome, Nick. I mean, um, I give this trade a B. That popcorn's terrible. I gave it a B. Yeah, B. I also gave it a B. Uh, Nick, C. A C? I, felt like, I felt like maybe. Yeah. Okay. I feel like maybe you could have tried to get more that's, for Max Domi. That's why it, we're also taking on. I get it. It's just for the remainder of the year, and he's an insurance piece for freaking um Mrazek and Staylock. But I would have been trying to get more out of it. Ah, uh, I do think that Anton Hudobin does provide the organization value as kind of being what we were asking for for the entire season. I agree. We, what we've been asking for for the entire season is a veteran who literally just exists so we don't have to always call up Soderblom and Stauber. Are you suggesting we bring back Anton, Anton Hudobin? Oh, after this year, absolutely not. No. Okay. I think he's retired no, no, after I'm not this year. That. I'm, talking about, I'm talking about this year. Well, it's only 20 okay. games. Is Hudobin retired after this year, or is he KHL bound? I think, he, um, I think those are both. I think he's KHL bound. He might, mean he might go back. He's 36 I mean, years he's old. Ka- he's Kazakh. He's Kazakh, so we might. Uh, I'll just call it right now. I think he might end up at Barrison or Sultan. He's 36 years old. He's probably retiring. We'll see. Maybe you could have gotten more for Max Domi. Possibly, maybe, but I don't think there was, truly was a market there, and I do think that if they didn't get a second round pick for him, they were going to give him a contract extension. I agree with that. Still, I think he's going to sign a contract at the free agent market. I I do think he'll come back on July first. If he does, yeah. that's an automatic A plus. I don't care whatever the pick turns into. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. If he's back, wh- whether it's a one year deal or a two year deal. If it's a one-year deal and you're able to ship him out next deadline for maybe even more, or basically the same thing... I mean, that thing, would be kind of dirty. Has, <laughs> I mean, it just depends. I mean, like, if he just keeps going nuts. But I think that... The, I think probably he comes back in, like, a two-year deal. I mean, regardless... It, regardless of the turn, I feel like that's pretty pretty cold-blooded by Kyle Davidson to trade a player twice and back-to-back <laughs> deadlines. I mean, he traded. Yeah, you know, it's just it's the way that it works. It's just it's just the it's just the way of the wins. It's just the way of the trade wins. And then the final move for for the Blackhawks was the acquisition of Austin Wagner from the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for the goat Tyler. Tyler, how did you not mention the most important trade of the deadline? All right, fine, I'll mention it. Uh, we traded uh, Adam Clendenning for Zach oh, Jordan. Oh, yes! Adam Clendenning is gone! So, I gave that trade an A+. Plus, 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 plus. Whatever. Okay, I'm sorry, because I forgot that the Adam, Adam Clendenning is, technical, is, is unofficially an element inside of the Patrick Kane deal. Unofficially. Officially. Is unofficially a part of the Patrick Kane deal, him getting traded to the Hartford Wolfpack. 
A plus just getting rid of Adam Clendenning. Once as long as as long as Rockford's defense gets healthier, A plus. Um the guy we got back is not super special, but you're not gonna get really anyone special for Adam Clendenning. He was pretty bad this season. It's no secret that we don't like him on here because not nothing personal, but he's not that good of a player, unfortunately. He was a waste of a roster spot. And money. I think I think he, I think they paid him a decent bit too on an AHL contract. They oh. did, and they somehow gave uh Clendenning a thing where he created hats for the Ice Hogs. What hey, I hat- don't good. John, do, John, don't you have? One I of those do hats? have one of those hats, and I wore it on here. Yeah, it's not that bad. He's actually he might be a better hat designer than a hockey player. <laughs> You hear it here, you guys hear it here first. Clendenning makes better hats than he plays hockey. He had a nice assist that one time we watched him. Yeah, he did. Was that like that was around like New Year's? What assist was this? We all watched the game together when they played against. I believe it was it was I think I think they played the Wolves. And, I, rem- uh, he I had remember to- watching, and I remember him not playing well. I do not remember him having a good assist. But I will yes, he had a pass. He had a, he had a, he had a pass to a one timer for Dylan Secure on the power oh, play. Oh yeah, that assist. Okay, I remember that one. Okay. Um, and then the last move of the trade deadline was Austin Wagner going to the Blackhawks in exchange for everyone's favorite player, once again, the greatest of all time, future considerations. Um, I did not give this trade a grade because I don't know how you can grade Me either. Austin Wagner. This is, this is body for uh, the greatest player, future considerations. It's nothing. It is, it is good because I, I do like how it's similar to Bjork it gives us more flexibility in the fact that we actually are able to have scratches, forward scratches, without having to worry about, you know, um, consistently calling up guys um, when they don't really need to be called up. Especially because we have a limit on how many call-ups that we are able to make outside of emergency call-ups. So you don't want to like burn those on guys like Gust or Sini or Philp if you don't need to. All right, um, and then uh, that is everything for the trades. And with that, I want to finish by going around for our overall trade deadline grades. This includes all the moves that were made, how the impacts are for us as Blackhawks in the long term, the Ice Hogs right now, as well as maybe discussing who you thought should have been traded that wasn't. So, John... Go ahead. Um, I'll give this trade deadline a B plus. I think that's kind of fair. Um, concerning people that we should have traded that weren't, I don't think there's anyone really can say. Um, people were throwing out the name Murphy should have been traded. Um, Murphy's the one of like the long term deals that we have on this team, so he's gonna. Have- I think Murphy's trade. I think Murphy's trade comes this summer. And also, if, if we don't trade him, he's helping us get to the cap floor, so that helps us. Mm-hmm. And I think his value has been diminished, because this year has not been his strongest of years. I think if we trade on him last year, 
we could have gotten a good return. I don't think so much about this year. Instead, they resigned yeah. to that four-year deal. <laughs> it was a choice. It's definitely a choice. Well, that was Bowman's um, last contract. Who else? I don't know. I think that I think that in the end, I think that honestly, that was probably a good contract. It's just that you know they didn't they didn't surround Murphy with players to fit his play style. That's they instead said, "Hi, you play with Jake McCabe, even though you're both turnover machines when you're stuck together." Just think about it. That was Stan Bowman's last contract he signed. Um, who else was? On this team that could have been "quote unquote" traded, Andreas the CU. AA. I don't think you would have get much for him though. I think the point like, is literally anybody besides Taze. I think and, any and I, Jones. Like, I I can't look at one guy and say like, oh yeah, you should have traded him because his value was was uh was decent enough to get a return that is as worth trading for like. It's not last year where like Strom should have been probably should should have probably been traded. Uh, Kubalik, and there was another guy. Um, Han, yeah, Dahan, Gustafson, Dahan, and then uh, yeah, Gu- or Gu- Gust. After we didn't trade him after his his a uh, strong season, I forget what year it was. We could have gotten our first too. though. Uh, we did eventually trade him for a third. Which became Wyatt Kaiser, and he'll probably sign with the Ice Hogs soon. The point is, we didn't. There was no one else to trade that had considerable value. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, Nick, total trade deadline grades. Grade for uh, Davidson, I give a B minus. There were some underwhelming moments of the trade deadline that he did with some of the acquisitions, with how he acquired draft picks, but they are in long-term future. I am, I that's why I give that B minus, and also how my grading kind of was going. It kind of was leaning towards B minus, anyways. Kind of high C plus. Um, low B minus range. As for players that I thought could have maybe got moved, honestly, after to see you could be on that list, but I honestly don't see there was think there was any value there because after to see you really hasn't had a good season with the Blackhawks. And uh the Hawks honestly don't have many assets to move out at this point anymore again they're this is a roster basically thrown together and they can call themselves we are a hockey team so i can't say it's a disgrace to a hockey team because it can be close to that but it's we are a hockey team and that should be their new slogan instead of ready to work <laughs> we are a hockey team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are a hockey team. That's been the Blackhawks Twitter account oh, for a long um, time. I should I should have mentioned this when I was discussing my grade. I wish it would have been nice to get like a prospect that was that has like NHL that has like t- considerable NHL potential. But yeah, I understand that. Um, 
I will say that I think that I would go just with a straight B for the trade deadline. Obviously, the Patrick Kane deal was underwhelming, but I think that in fairness, it was considering all the situations being pretty good. The returns for McCabe. I like the return for Domi. I like the Zaitsev move as well. I like getting England for Jack Johnson a lot. Um, I like getting Rocco Grimaldi a lot more than, than I should. <laughs> um, and then I just think that no one really wanted Athens to see you. I think that it was good that the Blackhawks took a chance on both Domi and Athens to gave them both the same contract, said, hey, let's give let's let's double double the chance that one of these guys has a fantastic season. Sure enough, Domi did. Athens to didn't. That's just kind of how you play the game. Athanasiu didn't end up performing, and he ended up staying. Domi ended up performing really well, and he's gone off to the uh, to the Stars for a second-round pick. So I think that in the end, it kind of was just exactly what it needed to be. If Jujar Caro was healthy for the entire season, then I think you could have gotten a fourth or a fifth for him. But because he missed basically all the games from December to February... You can't say that anymore. Other than that, I think that it was a pretty much fair enough uh, deadline in terms of who we got rid of. Didn't really get rid of anyone that we shouldn't have, or didn't really get rid of anyone that we shouldn't have, and didn't really keep anyone that we shouldn't have kept. As for the part with the spread out of the picks... I think it's smart. Everyone talks about how, like, v- how less valuable picks are later. In in for how how less valuable picks and further down the line years are, that just means that those picks are going to keep increasing in value. Let's just assume, say, I, I don't know, maybe maybe not that scenario, but like that pick with the Leafs, everyone's like, oh, what is that right now? Well, what that could be, what it could be, is actually pretty tantalizing. And if you consider the worst case scenario is the 32nd pick, which is like around where they're picking right now, if you were getting a 2023 first I think only, it could be a I lot think that roster is only going to get worse as the years go on. I think it could collapse. It could collapse from here, especially if they're paying all we, that money to like, you know, what, four players, three players? And their contracts are all about to go up. In the next couple of years as well, they're all about to expire around the same time. So for me, it's a straight B. I think that in the end, it was a productive deadline. We didn't set in our hands. We didn't mess up. We just kind of did what we needed to. And it would have ma- it would have been great if we could have gotten something for Taze, but his health obviously Taze was as good as gone. Otherwise, before the trade deadline or before like the whole. He was definitely going to go. Uh, it was probably going to be for like a second uh, illness stuff. If he didn't, if he didn't get sick, then yeah, you're probably getting like a second and a third or a fourth for him. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And lastly, Wally. Um, I also would say for an overall grade, I'd give the Blackhawks a B. Um, I don't think they, considering the circumstances, I don't think they lost any trades. Um, I think. They won a decent amount of them, but the trades that they did win weren't huge trades. I mean, besides maybe for the McCabe and Lafferty one. 
Um, and then to your point, Tyler, about the later picks, it also spreads out the money down the line, too, when you have to pay these guys uh, their next contracts. Um, so it spreads Absolutely. out the contracts. They don't have to pay all the guys all at once. So I think that's another reason mm-hmm. for going for picks later down the line as well. Yeah, that's another good thing as well. Um, on the on the topic, think about the Vancouver Canucks. They were supposed to be a rebuilding team, and they went out and traded a first and a second for Philip Pronick. Just acknowledge, just 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 when whenever you think that this rebuild isn't going well, remember we could be in the hands of that franchise and that management. They could be running our team. They could be giving up first, and they could be giving up a first and a second for a twenty-six-year-old defenseman in a so-called rebuild, and be three million dollars over the salary cap next season. Yeah, what a rebuild, right? Uh, or you could be the Tampa Bay Lightning and just give up any <laughs> form of future. Yeah, there was some crazy stuff that happened over this trade deadline, and I think that you know. We kind of just we just took care of business, did what we needed to. It was very simple, it was very standard, and it just ended up being very solid. I don't think that anything went crazy. Obviously, it sucked to trade Patrick Kane, but it's not like it was unexpected unless you weren't paying attention. If you were living under a rock, I don't know what else to say. That is going to be it. I do want to give a quick mention to our current tank report, which is our standings location right now relative to the other bottom teams in the league. 34. Currently, the Chicago Blackhawks have played 62 games, and they have 47 points in the season. That is because of a record of 21, 36, and 5. That is 31st place in the league in terms of the other teams around them. Everyone around them, the other bottom teams in the league, uh, bottom four teams, have played 63 games. Blackhawks have 62. Anaheim has 50 points. San Jose has 48. Columbus has 46. Chicago has 47, with one less game than everyone else around them. Over the next week, the games that the Blackhawks will play is they are going to play against Ottawa at home on Monday night. Detroit on the road on Wednesday, Florida on the road on Friday, and Tampa on the road on Saturday. Those three games, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, all pretty early starts as well. 6.30, 6 o'clock, and 6 o'clock. So I want to go through and just give me out of eight points, what do you got for a total amount of points we're getting over the next week? John? Zero. Zero. Ambitious. <laughs> tanking, the tank, tanking ambition. Uh, Nick? One point, and that's going to be against the Ottawa Senators. One point against the Ottawa Senators at home. Wally? I'm going to say one point against the Panthers. But, yeah, everything else they lose. In one regulation. point against the Panthers? Yeah. All right, I will say that they will get two points, and they will come from a win against Detroit. Other than that, I can't see them beating Ottawa. They're they're a really hot team right now. Um, I hate what Florida management is doing to that franchise, but I still can't see us beating them. And then Tampa, I also don't like what Tampa management has been doing to their franchise. They're basically screwing themselves out over 
in terms of essentially just saying that this team is going to be terrible in three years, but you know they're going to win. They could they could win a cup now. So you know, hey, I guess there's that. Tanner Jarnot is the key. Tanner Jarnot for five draft picks. The guy had more. The guy was tr- the guy was traded for more assets than goals he'd scored this season. Yep. <laughs> they bunched their star players in the third period today, so that's also something. They did do that, yes. Honestly, were they, they winning? Probably they play the Syracuse no, they were losing to the Sabres. Uh, the Tampa Bay much? Lightning could probably play the Syracuse Crunch against us and still win. Yeah. Okay, since we're not going to mention the games, I'll just mention the record since we did our last uh, our last podcast. The Hogs are 4-5. and five. That's nine games. And then the Hawks are five and six. Interesting. Four and five as well as five and six. Hogs need to do better. Um Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that I would say so as well. Um but that right there is gonna be everything for this episode of the Hockey Puck Cast. Tune in next week where hopefully we'll be back to discuss more about these uh, Blackhawks games, as well as the Icehawks games, and we'll be able to give a little bit of a wrap-up on some college uh, hockey in terms of where things are going so far. Adam Fantilli, that is insane, if you didn't know. But thank you so much for joining me. Wally? I will be watching more Rockford Icehawks games than Chicago Blackhawks games. That is a strong investment. That is a strong investment. Next. Thank you for everything Patrick Kane has done. And uh, the tank is on. Hell yeah, tank on. And John. Um, thank you for everything Patrick Kane that you've done for the city and this franchise. And lose every game. Yep, the tank is on. And Adam Fantilli is the greatest player of all time. My name is Tyler, this has been the Hockey Podcast, and I will see y'all next time. Take care. Music for this podcast was Cool Rock by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by B-Y forward slash 4.0.